Welcome to CodeCasts, a podcast series presented by the International Cyanide Management Institute, or ICMI. This series provides our listeners with useful information about the International Cyanide Management Code to help you understand the code's compliance requirements and expectations. Each CodeCast episode is designed to supplement the training and guidance materials that you can find on the Cyanide Code website. If you'd like to access these materials, such as the standards of practice we refer to, please go to www.cyanidecode.org. In this episode, we will discuss the Cyanide Code's expectations for making cyanide-related information publicly available. More specifically, we will discuss the Code's expectations for releasing information on certain kinds of cyanide incidents, as described in Standard of Practice 9.2 of the Code. It may be helpful for you to have that standard to hand as you listen. Standard of Practice 9.2 requires operations to make information available to the public. Operations are expected to have developed written descriptions of their cyanide management activities. As with Standard of Practice 9.1, the intent here is to be transparent as to the presence, use and management of cyanide. These written descriptions can take a variety of forms, such as brochures or newsletters, but they must be made available to communities and stakeholders in some way. This could be putting them on websites, or it could be distributing them at public forums or meetings or local offices. The written material must also be in appropriate local languages. In some locations, a significant percentage of the local population may not be literate. In that case, operations should provide information on cyanide verbally. This might be done by doing a presentation or by holding direct, regular consultations with communities or community leaders, to name two examples. While the code is clear about the need to provide this sort of information verbally when a significant percentage of the local population is illiterate, it does not specify what constitutes a significant percentage. This is a case when auditors must use professional judgment to determine if verbal dissemination of information is necessary. In addition to making information about their cyanide management activities available to the public, operations are also expected to inform the public about different types of cyanide release or exposure events. The final verification protocol question in Standard of Practice 9.2, and in fact the last verification protocol question in the entire mining guidance, protocol question 9.2.3, asks that operations make information available to the public for cyanide injury and fatality incidents, as well as for cyanide spills and releases. This is an essential requirement for compliance with the code. As such, operations should take care not to treat this as merely a routine legal compliance reporting exercise. The requirement is based on the view that public knowledge and transparency are vital for a mine's social license to operate. According to this line of thought, transparency in this area ensures future stakeholder confidence in both the operational management of cyanide generally and in the role and function of the cyanide code itself. Part A of Verification Protocol Question 9.2.3 asks specifically about making public any cyanide exposure that results in hospitalization or fatalities. 
In many countries, there are jurisdictional and legal requirements for reporting cyanide exposure accidents to either the mining regulatory authorities or the health regulatory authorities. But importantly, not all countries require their regulatory authorities to publish this information as a public record or on departmental websites. As a result, simply reporting exposure incidents to authorities may not satisfy this requirement if the authorities in turn do not make the information publicly available. This means that the burden is on the mining operation to ensure that for incidents like these, the appropriate information is made public in some way. This is frequently done through including the information in company reports, such as annual safety, health and environment reports, or annual sustainability reports. When company reports are used to meet the requirements of the standard of practice, it is important that the information in the company report be site and incident specific. For example, a general statement in an annual report that the company had three cyanide incidents in the previous year without reference to the location, type or severity of these incidents, would not meet the code's expectations for public disclosure. Parts B and C of question 9.2.3 focus on any cyanide release off the mine site, requiring response or remediation. They also focus on any releases on or off the mine site that result in significant adverse effects to health or the environment. These types of incidents also need to be made public. One issue with these types of incidents is that the full extent or the wider adverse effects often only become clear some time after the initial occurrence. Again, the burden is on the mining operation to ensure that full and thorough investigations are undertaken and appropriate remediation actions are undertaken in a reasonable time frame. The final two parts of question 9.3.3 focus on cyanide releases that operations are required by the relevant jurisdiction's regulations to report, as well as on releases that exceed the limits stipulated in an operation's regulatory permits or licenses. The Code clearly states that, for code compliance purposes, spills and releases only need to be reported if they exceed the applicable limits stipulated in regulatory permits or licenses. However, if a release does exceed those limits, it does need to be publicly reported in some form. This could be done by the company through its public reporting mechanisms, or it could be done by the relevant regulatory authority, making the information public through its hard copy reporting mechanisms or its website. In some countries, mines are required by regulatory authorities to convene regular, usually annual, public meetings to report mine activities, progress and any changes to the operation. These public meetings often touch on matters relating to cyanide. Meetings like these can be used as a means of public reporting as long as sites ensure that it keeps adequate and appropriate evidence of this reporting. This could be, for example, copies of the PowerPoint presentations made, copies of the meeting and agenda and minutes, or copies of the handout documents issued to attendees of the meetings. As with exposure incidents, it is not sufficient to report to a regulatory body if that regulatory body does not itself make the information available to the public, such as via a website or upon request. It is important to note that when it comes to exposure incidents, the code does not set a time limit on when the information on incidents and accidents is made public. 
The code recognizes that investigations need to take place and, depending on circumstances, these investigations may take some time to complete. This is because preventing the reoccurrence of any cyanide incident requires establishing the facts surrounding every incident and determining its cause. Furthermore, it is well known that public discussions on cyanide can sometimes be quite emotional. In these situations, accurate facts are critical in order to convey why the events occurred the way they did and what is being done to prevent them from reoccurring. Another reason investigations may take some time is that, as listeners may recall, in Standard of Practice 6.2, the code calls for any cyanide incident to be followed by a robust health and safety investigation and evaluation procedure, as well as an emergency response plan review. Investigations, evaluations and reviews of this sort can also be time-consuming. As a final point, please note that the Code's requirements for making public the type of exposure and release incidents we have discussed are not the same as the Code's requirements for reporting significant cyanide incidents to the ICMI. The criteria for significant cyanide incidents and expectations for reporting them to the ICMI are described in Standard of Practice 7.4. This concludes our Codecast on the Cyanide Code's expectations for making information on cyanide incidents publicly available. We hope that this has given you a better understanding of the Code's basic expectations for reporting. Additional details on this topic may be found in the ICMI's Guidance for Use of the Mining Operations Verification Protocol, which is available on the Cyanide Code website. If you have any questions on this material or would like to make any comments, suggestions or requests for other topics to be covered, please send us an email at info at cyanidecode.org. <laughs>